Hi, everyone. This is Trish Kendall, your host for the Choose and Become interview series. I made five critical choices on my journey from the pit of despair to the peak of success, what I consider true success, enduring success. And those five choices that I made were to pick up the phone when my sister called, to commit to a two-way agreement, to build trust in myself and inspire the trust of others, to create community and belonging. And then finally, I chose to embrace my boundless capacity to give love and to receive love. Now, one of the things that I love about what I do today is I get to meet and hear and see stories from other people about their journey to enduring success. And I am so honored to have with me today, Becky Buttle. And so those of you who watch this, of course, just say hi, Becky. Hi. <laughs> those of you who, yeah, who follow me and watch this, you might say, her name seems familiar. What mm -hmm. is it about her name that seems familiar? So uh, as you know, a uh, former colleague of mine from a long time ago at Hewitt and, and somebody who I admire and look up to is Mo Bunnell. And Mo and Becky are husband and wife. And I'm so honored that, you know, Becky, I mean, when Mo and I were talking and we were going through, you know, his interview, like literally both of us stopped and said, I should be talking to Becky. <laughs> I should literally be talking to Becky. So thank you for being with me today. And will you just start with sharing a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you for having me. Um, this is this is exciting and and nerve wracking, all in the same in the same thing. But uh, gosh, where to start? So um, grew up in Indiana, same as Mo, and uh, I grew up in a large family, ten brothers and sisters. On a farm in Indiana. Uh, from there, went through college and then right after college moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And we've been here now for over 30 years. And um, my, my original degree was elementary education and my master's in middle school math science. So I was a teacher for years until I had my two daughters. And then I stayed home as mm -hmm as mainly as mom and did some tutoring and things on the side, but then got in back into a passion of mine, which was horseback riding. So I, I jumped back in after our, our first daughter was born. And um, yeah, that, that became uh, quite a path and a journey for our entire family. So um, that is, uh, I guess, over the years, the kids have grown. They're now 21 and 24. They're young adults out doing their thing. And we are finally, after the 50, we're almost 50 years of dreaming on a horse farm. And we have our own horses in our backyard and a miniature donkey named Louie Hamilton. It just, it's just like uh, my storybook story anyway. But we, we also then, our main focus with these animals and specifically the horses and the donkey is, um, equine assisted therapy. So we use the horses for uh, riders with special needs, um, people in recovery from trauma, all those things uh, these horses come to the table to help me with. And I, I became certified as a, um, as a therapeutic riding instructor. So I left the classroom for good and created my new classroom in the arena with my horses. So I still have my students, but yet in an environment that 
is just feeding both of us constantly as far as what I love to do. So that's sort of my journey in a nutshell. That's that's a little yeah. And so and anybody and everybody who is a part of my community or communities right off the bat will be like, oh, Becky and Trish hit it off. <laughs> I mean, just her. Just what, what what you do from an adaptive therapy standpoint, but uh, as we continue exploring this conversation, everybody will see and hear the love and the passion that you have as it relates to horses and the magic that that can bring to others. So, really quick, before I even go on, will you will you tell a little bit more about therapeutic writing or adaptive writing? Am I saying it correctly? Is it has it transitioned to adaptive writing? Am I it saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is transitioning because therapeutic writing throws out the 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 assumption that I am a therapist, which I am not. I am an elementary education teacher and I am a writing instructor, but crossing the line of therapy, I am not a therapist. Okay, that's uh, equine psychotherapy. That's a whole different category. Yeah where um, it, it has to be, the, the sessions are run by a licensed mental health professional or hmm. someone that is a, a counselor has a degree in that, in that area. And I do not have that. So we're transitioning away from calling it therapeutic writing to adaptive writing, because I still, I teach writing, I teach writing skills. However, I adapt it to the needs of the writer. Hmm. So I take anybody who we can get on a horse and we adapt the tack we make sure the horses are trained up to to accept these unique situations. Um, a lot of times I have sidewalkers helping the riders stay on the horse just for safety reasons. We have a person leading the horse so that they control the speed and the and the movement of the horse in a way that is safe for everyone. So it takes a village to do adaptive riding. Um, and that's the part mm-hmm. that makes it even more fun because it, it is a community that's come out of it that I I really never um, expected it to be as big as it is, but uh, it's, yeah. So those are the basic differences. And then there's also hypotherapy, which is um, using the horse for its movement, but it's, it's then the sessions are, are instructed by a physical therapist or uh, occupational therapist or a speech therapist. So that's, that's another category of assisted therapies. Yeah. So basically what I asked me, yeah, yeah. So now those you, yeah. it is, and, and you gave us a, a, a quick version of where we got, where you have got to today. And what, what I'd like to dive in first on is we all have our own definition of ultimate success. What I view as success, what you view as success. Will you just share a little bit with us about what enduring success means to you? Like creating enduring success. What does that mean to you? Yeah, that's a good one. Enduring success. I, the word enduring. Um, I am a fan of endurance sports. I, I look at the long game all the time. Um, enduring, it is not a race. It is, it is something you have to be able to sustain. And um, I, I can't bet that that was brought back to my attention this spring. We can touch on that later. About yes, yes, yes. Or whenever, whenever you want. That okay. would be- yeah, um, the, the long game, like I said, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And sometimes 
we push ourselves to a limit and um, our bodies will say enough. And mine, mine this spring, uh, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I was pushing hard. I finally, you know, we got this horse farm and building this, this equine therapy, equine assisted, you know, equine therapeutic program. And um, just really excited about what I'm doing, but also working, 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 working. And, and it became the sprint. And, um, and I, I had the awakening this, this spring that this is not a sprint. This is, this is for the long haul. So let's find things and ways to, to make it sustainable. You can still feel your success with the program, but take care of yourself and and um and look for ways rather than i i guess um looking for ways to just it, it, it enhance your wellness so looking for ways to lift your heart looking for ways to strengthen your body looking for ways to clear your mind those are the things that no matter what field you're in i think is an enduring quality that will bring you success. But if you don't take care of the, <laughs> if you don't take care of the root things, there is no, there is no future and there is no success. So oh. it backs me off a bit and it just is like, okay, I've got a new focus, but yet it's still right in line with what I love to do every day with these horses. So um, in some ways I feel like I, I got another degree. I, I went to, I went to, went to school. <laughs> Yeah, right. Like the real life experience school. Right. Yeah, life experience school. Exactly. Um, so, it, and the trauma that is involved in a diagnosis like that and the treatment of that, um, backing up one step further, uh, in our equine therapy program, we have uh, a special, a special we offer special sessions for breast cancer survivors. So we use the horses in their recovery. We've done this for over three years now. So I've, I've been working very closely with these ladies in their recovery from the radiation, from the chemo, from the surgeries, and trying to help them find uh, you know, peace again as far as their anxiety is through the roof. They have PTSD from these things. And again, I am not a therapist. However, I can through a pretty set curriculum, walk these women through working with the horse, how to synchronize your breathing with the horse, how to absorb the entire movement of the horse, how to strengthen your body again, um, how to trust again, how to do something out of your comfort zone, how to clear your mind. Riding a horse definitely can be mind clearing because you're just thinking about exactly what you're doing at the moment. Um, so I, working with these women, I, I, uh, I feel like I had some good knowledge going into my diagnosis and they were such great, such a great support group um, working through this, this piece of it myself. And even with all of that though, I had no idea how traumatic this experience was going to be. It, it was just, you can go in prepared and go in with, with support <laughs> and it's still awful. <laughs> so, um, but I feel like, through it all, um, yeah, I've I've took away some more life lessons, and and I've got to learn from it and keep myself healthy. Yeah. And and the one thing I did learn about about cancer, I think, is that it never truly goes away. It is now forever on your mind, in your brain, and is, is 
it is, that's the piece I didn't understand fully in working with these women. I'm like, why can't you just move on? Why can't, you know, you're, you're past it now. Why can't you just move on? I see now (laughs) it's very, it's very hard to, um, and now you have that experience that elevates your ability to put yourself in their shoes. Right. Very much so. So sorry about that. It always surprises me when it pulls up the waterworks. <laughs> oh. I I I am I embrace I embrace your authenticity and vulnerability. It, so a couple things. Yeah. Um, I think about the first critical choice I made on my journey, and I want to loop us here for a minute and get your perspective. For me, it was to pick up the phone when my sister called that day. And most people know my story, so we don't need, we're not going to get into it. I believe, and I have heard from you in our conversations, that we all make first choices. We all make first choices, whether it's practical or profound, and success begins with making that first choice. And as you reflect on your journey to where you are today, to this enduring success, is there a first choice that you would share that you've made? Wow. I feel like we are constantly making them over and over again because, you know, you get thrown curveballs in life and you're like, okay, we're resilience check <laughs> to see, see exactly uh, what you're made of. Um, I would say, I would have to say my first choice, um, the, the, the first time I remember making a definite choice was probably in high school where I, how oh, this is a whole nother path, <laughs> but growing up, um, and observing, uh, what was going on in my household, there's 11, uh, I have 10 siblings. It's a very large family. We're on a farm. Um, witnessing some some hard things in life, abuse-wise. And and uh, just knowing in high school, is like, I am not going to end up in the same boat. I am going to make my life different. I am going to go to college. I am going to get a career. And I am going to move someplace warmer. <laughs> Because Indiana was so cold. <laughs> so I, I love the specificity. <laughs> that played up right there at the top of, uh, I got to get somewhere warmer, where the sun shines a little more. Sorry, Indiana. Um, yeah, so uh, I can remember then just deciding I am going to college. And I was on me to pay for it and work my way through but I knew that that was going to be the first stepping stone to enduring success. I needed my education. So um, went after that and then uh, met Mo and we ended up getting married right after I graduated. So I, you know, thinking I'm all grown up at 22. That's how long we've been married. And I have, now that I have a 21 and 24 year old, I'm like, ah, wow. How, I can't imagine them married right now for their forever, forever. 
So we did that. We did that and we did not have jobs and we moved to Atlanta and, and uh, found some temporary jobs while we were here before we each uh, found something in our fields. So I became a teacher and he was an actuary and that's, that's where that started. But, um, and, and then just, just as we marched through life, um, constantly choosing, choosing for our children, how, how, how do we want their lives to be even better than ours? How, um, the millions of choices that's involved, which is being a parent and, um, Parenting was a lot harder than I thought. I grew up with such a big family oh. thinking two kids, no problem. I want four. Now I had one and I was like, wow, this is really hard. It's really hard. So I, I think I not knowing all the, all the labels for everything now about a, a diagnosis, but I really, that's when I leaned on horses and I was like, I've got to get back to the horse. The horse for some reason brings me the peace and grounding that I need to be a parent and that was hard. So choosing again to listen to your heart and follow the thing that is calling you. Um, thankfully I have a, a wonderful husband who allows allowed me to go go chase that dream and crazy horse stuff. Yeah. <laughs> go chase go chasing my horses. So we ended up adopting this rescue horse and uh, it kind of snowballed from there. Uh, but, uh, again, another choice, um, just always, uh, you know, even then with this cancer, um, yeah. not quite as easy just to choose to move on. It, it's something different. It gets inside of you in a different way than, than an external something working on you. Um, say your environment, uh, uh, abusive situations, this, I don't know, it, it's something, something that sort of grows inside of you. So this is a different kind of battle and it's testing my resilience mm -hmm. in that way and a new way as far as trying to trying to figure out how to balance this this anxiety versus uh, you're fine finding ways to to live uh, and and be well um, the horses again <laughs> the horses yeah. my my study and my rock and the community that has has grown from the therapeutic business that I do. Uh, they've all been just amazing in their support of me and the program and helping me wherever, wherever is needed, um, all of that. But again, gosh, choices just to get this farm, choices to set up this, this program. So many, so many decisions. I hard to, hard to know where the first one came from, but I feel like we just keep making them over and over and over again. And, and you just crystallized how I feel because I do feel that way. And I've experienced that, that, that there's a series of first choices yeah. that yeah. are made at different times, you know, in our lives. And, and I appreciate how you start with, it was a choice that I was going to go to college and yeah. I bet like when you, we won't dissect this, this is just in my brain for other people that are, that are listening to this. It's like that choice then creates the other choices, you know, so that's what I'm going to do. And so therefore that's going to be my compass, you know, my North star right. to the other choices that I'm making, you know, and I just think each of us has the ability to, to make these choices, but sometimes it's hard, right? It's hard to make first choices. And yeah, 
Aki and I are here just to tell you <laughs> to make them, <laughs> to make them. And okay, I will move on from here in a second, but 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 I want to bring us back to something or bring us to something that Mo shared, not just with me, but with his community when you were going through your journey uh, through breast cancer, you chose to participate in that mule riding (laughs) exhibition. And I'm not even saying it right. I'm not even saying it right, but I am so beyond floored by what you did. So can you just... Could you just oh, tell me a little bit about it? I would love to tell you about this. So I, as I told you, I'm a fan of endurance sports. I was a cross country runner. I, I competed with my horses in endurance riding. Um, and I, we have this sweet donkey, Louis Hamilton. He's a miniature donkey. And through, through a book, um, uh, Running with Sherman uh, is is the book that where I first learned about pack burrow racing. So pack burrow racing takes place mainly out west because it's, it's a big sport out there. It comes from the gold mining days where people would take their burrows up into the hills, mine for gold, and then race back to town with their gold to claim their stake. So um, this is still a sport that is alive and well out west, even though we're not mining for gold. But you run with a burrow um, off into the hills and back to town. And the burrow carries all the mining equipment. So it has 30 pounds of mining equipment on its back in a pack. And you you run with this burrow. Um, I did a 15-mile race. There's also the 30-mile race. And these take place in all kinds of small towns out west, um, especially wow. months. But uh, running with a burrow, if you've ever spent time with a donkey, oh, my gosh, the, the life lessons learned, that they are the best teachers ever. And they're so freaking smart <laughs> that you can't. You can't um, you can't just push them around and make them do the things that you want them to do. It has to be you've got to work as partners. You've got to work as partners. So this race took place out in, in Fair Play, Colorado. And so you start at 10,000 feet. So elevation. I'm coming from Atlanta. Elevation was was and the altitude um, up there is is something. And then you race to an even higher point and you run back to town. Um, and wow. This, this was on the heels or this, this was, we've been planning this trip with some really good friends for, for almost a year. And then I got hit with the breast cancer and I'm like, oh man. So working through my recovery of that, got through radiation and then I got hit by COVID really bad. So this is in, in June, the race is in July. I have yet to start training. I can't run. I'm so fatigued. I'm just so everything's so hard. So I start with some walking. I'm like, I am, I am going to get up and I'm going to go. <laughs> so we start with some walking. We start with then with some running and we, we, I, I was, you, you actually rent burrows out there to do this. So I did not trek my own donkey out there. So the burrows are trained and ready as far as their fitness level. So my burrow was, was, fine and working, working well out West. And I was in contact with the woman that owns them. And I'm like, these are the setbacks I've had. Can I still do this? Is this going to be okay? Will I make it? And she goes, I've, I've paired you with a donkey that is very independent and pretty forgiving. So I think, I think this will work. So I'm like, Oh, thank you. Anyway. So we get out there and, um, 
Yeah, it, it, and and we get to the start, gun goes off, and, there, and there's 90 people running with their burrows. <laughs> I would love to show you a clip of the start. I mean, it just- Oh like, my God. And these, and a lot of these these runners are, are ultra marathoners. Like this is a serious thing. They, they, wow. they are runners. And um, I'm, a, I'm a runner at heart, but at that moment, I just didn't feel like I, I was that strong for sure. Um, and I had a friend running it with me. Now he's an ultra marathoner, um, and his donkey Bo was in the. They were just just ahead of me. This is just in the first two miles, and and uh, I I just about quit. I was just like I can't breathe. Like all the panic of my 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 everything came welling up inside of me, and I just I didn't know if. I could, I could even do this. Why am I out there? Why am I pushing myself like this? This is crazy. What, it, what if my heart just stops? You know, I've just had COVID, like all these things. It's just, it, it takes over your brain. And so um, he looked back at me and he goes, you okay? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he goes, let's just walk for a minute. So he pulled back his doggy and we just walked. And, um, and then, and then we, I, I caught my breath and, and, started going again. Um, and, and my donkey was willing to go. So we start running again. And it's funny because my friend's donkey decided he didn't want to go anymore. So marathoning <laughs> 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 buddy who pulled back to, to, to help me lost the momentum of his donkey and his donkey decided <laughs> that he was gonna, didn't want to go yeah. anymore. And you really can't when a donkey doesn't want to go, you just can't get him to go. So I, he goes, keep going, keep going. I'll catch up. So my donkey and I take, keep, keep going. And, um, and well, in the end, I didn't end up beating him. He got stuck out there with that <laughs> 15, 20 minutes at a time at a complete standstill. <laughs> Could not get that donkey to go. So this is the, but this is the sport. This is the sport of uh, the donkeys for one will be donkeys. But they also are trying to teach you how to get yourself in check and what you need to do to make this relationship work. Like it is just, it was just such a learning experience. Oh. My donkey, my donkey was not, not super easy either. We had to take our moments where we would just kind of spin in circles and, and, and she would come to a complete stop. And I'm like, but we're only halfway. And she's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You, you are amazing. Yeah. But, amazing. Um, I wanted to have you share the clip with me, by the way. He did share it. It this like leads me straight to the second choice, whether or not your example is gonna be with the donkey or not. Yeah. But literally this leads me to the second critical choice was is committing to a two-way agreement. You know, mm -hmm. so I experienced the, the power of committing to a two-way agreement like when right. two entities two parties wh whoever you know i keep thinking because of the donkey story which is so funny but two entities coming together or two people whatever and with the intent of giving and receiving in order to achieve a desired outcome mm -hmm. and for me when i committed to the two-way agreement with my sister i learned that actions that can start from, oh my God, I have to do this, can transform to, I want to do this. Yeah. yeah. Can you share 
more of your thoughts as it relates to two-way agreements and what you get and what you, what you give and what you get. Yeah. Yeah. And I like what you said about when something you feel like you have to do something and then it becomes a want. Um, you know, people might call me crazy. Like, why would you put yourself out there 15 miles with a donkey? There's no reason to do that. Actually, for some reason there was, and it just showed me that I can trust my body again. I can get out there and do the things that I love to do still. I was getting very, I was just kept pulling back a little more and a little more and being more timid and, and careful about everything I was doing, my writing, my, my work, my everything was like, everything became a little bit more scary. And this just put me out there and tested me to a limit. And, and um, I saw that I could succeed and, and trust my body again. So I'm like, well, now I can do anything again. This is great. But it, it did take a community. I had some very encouraging friends. Um, boy, they, it, that they were just, they were amazing. They were amazing. I could not have done it without any of them. And it was just a wonderful weekend in that way. But yeah, the two-way agreement with the horses, with this donkey, um, as examples, especially with the horses, I mean, they're, we're dealing with predator prey. We are predators. They are prey. They trust us to crawl on their back, put a bit in their mouth, make them pull things, make them carry things. They trust us. They could run away at any minute. They're a thousand pounds. They could, that, that little bit in their mouth, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but for some reason, they, they get to a level of trust and they let us do these things. So they're probably my biggest teachers in this two-way thing um, that we have. And, and um, experiencing that with my students every day, they trust me to keep them safe, getting them on these big animals especially if they come compromised um, and their mobility isn't great. They trust the volunteers. I trust my volunteers. I trust my horse. Everybody has to play their part in this, these two, three, four-way agreements to, to make these sessions yeah. happen. Um, and it, it's, it's a hard thing. And I was, I was definitely faltering with that after my treatment of trusting, trusting others, trusting my body, trusting myself, trusting my horses, all of that was like had just fractures everywhere in it. Um, and, and regaining that and, and maybe it takes a donkey race to do that. I don't know, but trying to get to, to the other side where we trust again and work together, um, building those communities, building that trust. It, it's so much easier to, little another life lesson from the donkey race easier to go through a donkey race when the donkey has a friend they want to run with so Aww. it's easier to go through life with a group or a community that is cheering you on than just to keep plowing through by yourself you have to make choices to trust others you have to make choices to let people in because it is just too hard all by yourself yeah. Yeah. Well, and then just, I mean, you just took us straight here. So I just want to explore this a little bit more with you. If, if, if you, if you will explore with me, the idea of building trust. Yes. Because for me, that was the third critical choice and building trust in yourself in order to build trust with others. And the, you know, beautiful example you use so much is the trust between you and the horse or your mm -hmm. client and the horse. So just let's just keep keep going with that and and how do you how do you how did you build trust in yourself 
as you were going through this journey of coming back from the, I'm thinking about breast cancer, but it could be anything. Just building trust again in yourself, building trust in yourself to say, I'm going to go to college. Like I'm going to be the one to go to college. So just how do you build trust in yourself? That is a really good question because I still feel like I'm working on that one. That's just, that's hard. It's, um, oh goodness. Um, it's, it's almost like going off a high dive. I don't, I don't know. It's the trust, uh, the confidence. I feel like that's been just a, a lifelong battle for me. And, um, thinking that I, I am special. I am important. I know these things. I have these experiences I can share. I am coming from a point, a place of, of I, I, the education, the knowledge. I have that. Share it. But then I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I, I'm not. I, I don't think I can. I can do that. It's it, those, it just goes back and forth, back and forth. So I don't mm-hmm. know um, other than, again, the community that keeps marching me forward. And I guess the relationships I've set up along the way to to keep you moving forward, to make make the, the choice over and over again that, okay, I trust myself. Okay, I trust myself. Okay, you yeah. can do this. You can do It's like, I don't know. The internal cheerleader needs constantly, <laughs> needs constant, constant attention. How do you earn the trust of the horse? A horse's number one need is safety. If they feel safe, they will move forward. If they feel like the trailer that I'm asking them to hop up on, is this a safe environment? Are you going to keep me safe? Mm. All those, they, they, they question everything about safety. And I have to prove to them through my daily care of them, through um, the people I put on their back, through the people that I let interact with them. Are you keeping me safe? I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm always on the line and they're watching because if I, if I don't keep them safe in a certain situation, we go backwards. We go backwards with the trust and I have to rebuild it. Mm. So they're just always looking for safety. And I think that's true for, for me. Um, if I don't feel safe, I really, uh, I don't trust the I don't, I, I'm not, it's not easy for me to trust other people anyway. And um, Mm -hmm. if they prove that for some reason I was not, something unsafe happened or my, my emotions were damaged or my heart was broken. I, I really go backwards with my trust as well in them specifically, but it also, you know, I, I, then I take an inventory of all my other relationships and I think, Oh, maybe I better back this off. Maybe I better keep them at an arm's length. I don't can't let Mm -hmm. them in. And so I struggle with that back and forth as well. And, um, I, I I can see that in the, in the horses. And I think they've taught me how Mm. to make someone else feel safe. It's the same things we crave, same things I'm looking for in a relationship. And uh, I have to, but you have to keep showing that. And it's not like you just win it and then you get to do whatever you want. This is an ongoing proving that uh, I'm going to keep them safe in a hurricane. I'm going to get them out of the floodwaters in time. I'm, they look to me to keep them safe and that's where the trust comes. And then they're willing to do all, you know, uh, 
Let kids play tambourines on their back. Let me throw balls up in the air. Let them be hit by balls. Let them, you know, the kids ride in every direction on their back. They're screaming. They're doing fun, loud things, bubbles, whatever it is. And the horse is like, we're cool with that because we trust you that you are going to keep us safe in this situation. So I'm not going to light up like my inner spirit wants to do and just run from this situation. I'm going to trust you that you're going to keep me safe. And mm. I think that's how they kind of work. Yeah. Right? And that is how we work as human beings. It is, right? I mean, there's so many parallels. Yeah. Completely. And and you have said this, and, and my dear friend, um, June Gillis, who is actually Lily's horse riding teacher, who I've told you about, yes. he says time and time again, you know, riding horses is, is learning life. It, it, you know, I mean, it, it, like th- this is this is learning life. Yeah, and and everything that you just said about creating a safe environment and earning trust and building trust, and I think some of it for me when I project me into thinking about this is choosing to show up with the intention of trusting, which is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. incredibly hard for all the reasons that that you, you and I talk about whether that's fear or vulnerability or whatever it is it's it's right. hard to think about showing up with the intent to trust the examples you just gave is the horses show up with the intent to trust like they've create you know you've created this environment of safety and I got you and they remember that it's a it's a remembered thing mm-hmm. you know it's a remembered okay. thing but you have to you have to continue on I want to keep going here because you brought up during the conversation with two-way agreement and building trust, the idea of community. Community and belonging is a huge deal to me. And it's the fourth critical choice I made. When I was growing up, I didn't know community. I didn't have community. I didn't belong anywhere. Um, I think we share some of those similarities of feelings. So I want to dive into this before we get into um, what community and belonging means to you today. Will you go go the opposite direction with me for a second? And what does it feel like to not belong, to not have community and belonging? Uh, that is a lonely space for sure. And and um, and my personal experience, like growing up with ten brothers and sisters. Uh, at a time when not many people had that many siblings, um, I felt like I was I was generations off from my peers because I was raised in a you know uh, with so many older siblings. I'm tenth of eleven, uh, raised raised as the older ones, um, and there was just a lot that comes comes with such a large family. Whereas none of my friends were in that situation. You know, they had one or two siblings, their family did a family did a lot of family things and um, go on little trips. And I don't know, everything just seemed to live in their houses a little more in control than, <laughs> than yeah. our cats on our well, 11 kids, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, um, but the, the belonging, uh, I, I felt like I was always trying to find my place, uh, trying to decide, you know, I, I needed to go to college. Each time I was just in, I was searching, searching for me, searching for belonging, searching for something. And maybe that was the drive to, to keep moving forward as well. But, um, I, I think also then why I, I feel so comfortable and I love working with special needs and people with, um, 
individual challenges, uh, people that are coming from trauma, people in rehabilitation, is that they're looking for that belonging. And I, I can kind of relate to it on some level, uh, watching a special needs child trying to do just just go to the grocery store, just do anything. And, and, and the eyeballs that, that stare and the, and the things that they aren't even, they aren't allowed to try because of their physical limitations or their cognitive limitations. I think we're getting a little more inclusive. I can see things branching out. I can see things opening up, but I love working with, with these, with these students and creating a community at my barn where it's all safe and everybody loves to see you each time the, the volunteers have created these these mm. bonds with these riders and check on each other even outside of riding and the student just has a place where the horses don't judge where we don't judge and everybody gets to do really fun things and they belong and i want to i love creating that that atmosphere because I think we all crave that. I craved it growing up. It's like a place where you can just be yourself and everybody loves yeah. you. <laughs> it's a mm. magical thing. It is so it magical. It is magical. It's magical. And I mean, you know, now Lily, who's 12, you know, who's been writing since she was six, writing, you know, she was taking yeah. little lessons when she was right. six. And then, right. you know, we went through this journey and, I mean, I think about the barn family. I think about how it doesn't matter what happens during her day. It doesn't matter. And she's had her, like, you have two daughters, right? We were both yeah. in school. Like, you always have those tough moments, especially as girls. And it doesn't matter. Like, she goes to the barn. She brushes, brushes the horses. She grooms them. She walks them. She rides the, in it. And it just all seems to just evaporate. And... Yeah she's enveloped by this sense of belonging that she has helped create, you know? And yeah, I just think yeah. that that's just so powerful. It, it does. And it's one of those, again, wellness activities that clears your mind. And when you clear your mind, you can feel your heart lift and, and then, and then it's exercise. It is, there's, it is, we call it being barn fit, like to tack that horse up and get that horse ready. You're almost exhausted before you even get on the horse. You've done so many things, the, the lifting and the grooming and the, and all of that. So um, then you ride and that is a very physical thing and uh, so good for our bodies to straddle and the posture that you gain from mm -hmm. it, the strengthening of your core, uh, and and just that rhythm, that rhythm that feeds into your body, that is also mind clearing. It just takes away the static for a bit, you know, all the all the clutter, and you're just like, oh, and then you can actually feel your horse breathe, and it's like, wow, and it's so it's just so amazing. So, I have always found that 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 brings you brings you back to. The center it helps you find your center yeah. and when you find your center it's easier to go to those places where you feel like you don't belong because you're like but i have me i can count on me i can trust me you know going forward i, I found my core you get shaken down then but you know how to go back and retrieve it and that's that's a cool thing to know how to do yeah I want to come spend time with you. <laughs> I literally want to come. I want to come to your farm. Just tell me I'm going to spend a couple of weeks there this summer. I got to learn how to ride again. No, 
I'm going to learn how to ride again here. And then I will go with you to a very mini low key, (laughs) low key mountain riding or endurance riding. So that's going to be to be continued in our last five or so minutes. Okay. You um, bring me right to my fifth and most important choice that I made on my journey to finally understand what enduring success is and to create it. And that is to embrace my boundless capacity to give love and to receive love. And as you know, for me, the first time I fully made the choice to not withhold and to just show up and give it all is is the day that I stepped in the stable with my daughter, Lily, to help take care of, of a pony. Such There's all the stuff step. that goes into that. Oh my goodness. So as we as we go into the fifth choice, the distinction I want to make is love as an emotion, which isn't a choice. You know, we like when yeah. our girls were born, or when your girls were born, or when my kids were born. I think we didn't choose to have this unfounded love for them, right? It just existed. So, so I'm not talking about love as an emotion. I'm talking about love the verb. The choice of giving it, however that manifests itself, you know, it manifests in a whole bunch of different ways, and the choice to receive it back. Uh, So I want to explore this with you in a couple of ways. One would be when you think about when you have chosen to give all of your love and and how does that feel? Just how does it feel when, when you're doing it? Wow. That's, that's a big one. Cause I don't think I knew how to do that. Um, maybe till recently. I mean, I, I've, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> how far back do we go with that one? But, um, my lack of trust for people, my, I, I, think giving love was easier than receiving it. Receiving, uh, I, I just recently, I just feel like I have, I have finally found this openness and it's so different than how I, I, how I went through the first 50 years of my life. Can you believe that? 50 years. And, uh, I finally feel like there's, there's a whole nother level I've never tapped into. It's the craziest thing. So how, uh, how I got, how I got there, what that feels like, I'm still exploring it, but, um, it's an, it's an inner calm and a, and a center that I didn't, it's always been there. Just didn't know how to tap into it. And it's amazing being so much more in the moment and not just in task mode or in, um, making the next plan. I feel like I've just been on that track for so long, but, but now to, to just take a breath. And I think the cancer sat me on my butt, let others take care of me. The outpouring that we had from my therapeutic community, especially and neighbors and, and friends, I, I just sat back and went, wow, 
what have I been missing? Look at you people. Like really look at them. They want to give. They want to give love to me. <laughs> I need to like open up and and give back and and I know there there's giving back. There's there's you know, you take a meal to somebody, you do this, you do that, but there's this whole other level, this depth that you can go to, even in those little things where you can dig deeper into yourself. And it's amazing what you pull out for even just a, a short conversation and the things that I was just like, all right, time to move on. Okay, move on. All right, next thing. And the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. It's always the next thing. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's stopping and in that moment, oh my gosh. And I, I swear it took me 50 years. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I think I I am I don't know if it's it, but I found a much happier, calmer self that I'm enjoying so much more. And um I I don't know if I should I don't ever want to thank cancer, but sometimes we need to be set on our butt, I guess, and uh and take a break and, and reevaluate. Um I don't know. Well, I don't know what to and it, say about that. You, you had the space and then you chose to use the space to reflect and be aware. And the words that you just used that hit me so hard is um, the love was there. It was just untapped. Yeah. And isn't that just it's, and it's how weird. I feel? You just You feel this opening. It's, it's like you can physically feel it. It's such oh. a cool, cool thing. And I, I don't know how to show people. I don't know how to help them tap in. It's just, I don't know. You you got to find it, though. It's it's really cool. And and I feel like... And you are. You are helping people and showing people just through the... First off and foremost, me right now in this conversation. <laughs> everyone that's going to listen to this conversation. But in your work, in your work. You show up in that way. And I think people can feel it and sense it. And that helps fuel their ability and desire to then show up or dip into this untapped ability so. to give I and receive so. love. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I, I feel like before breast cancer, I was, I was getting there and maybe that's why I, I was allowed to reflect a little in that situation. Old self would have been like, you know, plow through it, get to the other side. We're going to keep going, get out of my way kind of thing. The, the new self is, <laughs> was, was like, look at the world around me that I've just been missing. I just need to open my eyes right, right in every person that I interact with every day. There's, there's something there. And I just would, I was a steamroller before. And now I feel like I, uh, everybody, Everybody has a little something they leave with me and you can build on it. It's pretty cool. Now, I don't yeah. I, I explain. I know once you find it, you find it. You're like you ever watch City yeah. Slickers? Yeah. Oh yes, come on. And the one thing. <laughs> like what's the one thing? I can say this is the one thing. It is <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I believe with my whole heart of hearts that 
we create enduring success and fuel the success of those around us when we choose to do exactly what you are saying right now. We choose to show up acknowledging yeah. this untapped, uncapped. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. To give love and to receive love. And, and my, my call to action for everybody that's listening is to consider, just consider, what would it mean? Like, imagine if you chose to show up just for, like, think about it as a day in every interaction yeah. with the spirit and the intent of giving all and receiving all. Just the impact that that could make, right? On ourselves, on others, on those around us. Becky, yeah. you, the fact that you said yes to just spending this time with me in this way fills my heart fully. Oh, well, I have, I, I so enjoy talking to you because your road and your path that you've navigated uh, is unmatched with anybody I know. I just, I, your story, um, I think I, I sent you a note after I, I watched your, your one motivational speech um, where you where you told your story and uh, for days upon days, that's all I thought about. And I thought, how, how does someone decide to move on, stand up, get past that, and then get to the point where you found the one thing? Like, I know, how does a person do that? Like you are... I, I don't even know. I don't have words for well, you just walk through what you've it. experienced. I, mine was mine's nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's all of our experiences. It is. It, it is. is. It is. Wait, it is. Wait, every single one of us have has an experience that we get to, and that's like the realization that we've yeah. just been talking about here yeah. is we get to choose. Yes. What to do, and that is. <laughs> yeah. To me, that, that, that is what was mind-boggling, is uncovering throughout my journey to get to where I am today, that each step along the way was a choice. Right. And we can make it. Yeah. Which of those? Everybody can commit to it. Everybody can make a first choice. Everybody and anyone can commit to a two-way agreement. Mm-hmm. Everybody can build trust. Everybody can create community and belonging, and everyone can choose the one thing. The one thing, right? I do. So. I, I yes, and it, it takes it takes dedication. It right. takes uh, commitment to yourself. It takes it it takes reevaluation constantly. Mm-hmm. You can't get stuck in a groove because uh, that system will break down. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and if you open like the amount of learning and and uh, at least on, on my farm, just just opening my eyes, shoot to nature, to taking a longer, slower walk around the pasture rather than a speed walk. To you know, just oh the hawk, oh the the mole, oh the you know, you're walking around going so many things I just would have plowed past um, in my old self but just taking a moment and it doesn't take much time, but it, it is, it is a commitment and you have to breathe and you have to just 
decompress a little bit. Not to say that there's never stress in my life. Holy cow, you know, it rises oh. all the time. And again, then you make a choice. And yeah. the the choice it the choices become more clear and, and easier to make, I think, the more you practice making these choices. And you just have to keep it up. And it's hard sometimes, but then you take a nap and try again tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. That's where I'm ending. Thank you for joining me for our Choose and Become interview series. You could find this episode and others at trishkendall.com. Just go to trishkendall.com backslash choose-become-interview-series. Or if you have a question or just want to leave a comment, email me, trish at trishkendall.com.